After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Welcome, it's Mind Rolling, and I'm Raghu Marcus with my pal, David Silver. Hi, Dave. Hi, good morning. Morning. Yeah, it's morning. We don't usually do this in the morning because, well, I'm, I'm a terrible morning person. I, I, but you're, you're pretty good in the morning, actually. I'm, I'm fairly obnoxious in the, the morning. You are. Uh, various yeah. wives and girlfriends um, have told me to be quiet and, and, and not to um, talk too much and really not to listen to Exile on Main Street at 7 o'clock in the morning. So I've learned. Well, I'm the opposite. My wife is usually gets very angry at me because I am so locked into my own little world in the morning and I can't, um, I don't respond properly. I, I, I'm just, you know, I like to get lost in the New York Times with my tea, my chai. By the it way, it is true. She's right. I've tried to converse with you in the morning, and it's it's a losing game, because you will acknowledge by kind of a, a slight movement of the head, and then no eye contact, and back to the bloody New York Times. Yeah. Although I must, in fairness, say that sometimes you are meditating and chanting, uh, which justifies the whole thing. Oh yeah, right. Um, <laughs> so. Oh, well, listen, first thing off, uh, again, we have to remind people we have launched, and we're calling it a soft launch. At least that's uh, our, uh, our guy, uh, Noah Lampert, is telling us this is a soft launch of MindPod Network. And you go to mindpodnetwork.com, and, y- you know, we're there. And Ramdas is there, and Sharon Salzberg is there, and Krishna Das is there, and a Jack Cornfield, our low-hanging fruit group, as we call them. Uh, because remember we had that comment a long time ago? You guys only have these people on that you know, and that's low-hanging fruit. We love our low-hanging fruit uh, people. And um, I, would, uh, I would say that uh, as far as just a little bit of uh, housekeeping on that, you can... Subscribe on iTunes to any one of these podcasts. It's not like you have to subscribe to all of them through MindPod. In fact, you cannot do that. You have to subscribe to each and every one if you want all of them or any which one that you like. But the reason, uh, not the reason, we feel like we have, uh, what our purpose here is to 
create uh, a destination of, uh, of, of, of all of the kinds of offerings that these various people make all in one place. And, and so beyond just the podcast, you get uh, wonderful articles and blogs. David has a bunch up there that are really great. Thank you. Uh, and which uh, we hope uh, he continues, which uh, he promised he would. And, um, you know, and then uh, there's videos, there's MP3s. You, you know, uh, Krishna Das, of course, is a preeminent chant guy. And uh, people will be surprised to hear him doing talks. And, uh, you know, you've heard him on uh, Mind Rolling and... Uh, having great chats, and he's very insightful. But we also have some of his chanting, and certainly links to it. So it's, it's a whole uh, potpourri of heart wisdom from all of these people on, in one destination, mindpodnetwork.com. So we encourage you to please go there and support all of the... And that's the other thing. You can support each and every individual... You don't have to support the whole, the you know, the whole network, but you can support the whole network, and we really encourage that because this is it is a ton of work, and there's a bunch of different people involved, and uh, you know everybody's got to get shekels for their output. So uh, well, just to keep the thing going, it's not like anybody's, you know, making a a lot of money out of this, but it it, it does help just keep it going and keep and you know we just got this incredible website through the grace of, of our friend Jared and, and his group. And um, Oh, yeah, we must uh, make mention of that. Just great. Guru uh, Media Solutions is yeah. an agency out in the Bay Area that's headed by our good friend Jared Levy, who we got to get Jared on this uh, show, by the way, uh, because uh, he's a, a young guy that's got a lot to say and is very, very, very focused on a social action and uh, in fact that's a main focus of his company so he was kind enough to provide uh, what we needed and uh, in in terms of the the website and and uh, Miles Seiden too we have to do a call yeah. out for him I mean they did a great job you know Raghu because when I go to websites I must say I'm not that interested in in sort of fancy pants designs and stuff. I want to get to it, you know, and what we've done, I hope, uh, what those guys did brilliantly, along with Noah and Rachel, our, our compadres, is make it clean and, and, and scrolly. You can scroll to anything. You can find anything quickly. Uh, it isn't all <laughs> divided up. And uh, I love know. that. Clean and scrolly. We have a clean and scrolly website. Isn't this is why right? people don't want me talking in the morning. Yeah, you know, right. Words. But it, it is nice. I mean, from my own point of view, I know that I'm now, when I go to the site, I'm as happy as I am with a few other sites that have done the same thing, which is just make it user-friendly total mm, and not, yeah. you know, have a big, a big sort of um, decorative, egomaniac sort of <laughs> approach to it. I, I'm thinking of one site in particular, which oh. I, I, I go to sometimes. I won't mention it because I'm going to say something negative. But it, it's a, a spiritual site. But it has like nine million things on the on the homepage. And I just end up getting, you know, it blurs. My eyes blur. Yes. And I yes. just go back to, uh, you know, uh, ESPN. So, uh, um, well, Dave, here wait. We are. Yes. Here we are. <laughs> I have to... Um, we're going to, at this point in the show, we do our recommendations uh, for you to go to Amazon 
And of course, use that wonderful link that we have on uh, what you can find on mindpodnetwork.com. And of course, uh, Mind Rolling is uh, just go to the Mind Rolling link uh, and you will find our Amazon link. And please, again, we really uh, encourage you to put that link on um, on your on your dashboard, so to speak, on your menu, and uh, uh, use it whenever you go to Amazon. So the so we get a little piece of that. We've been harping and harping away at this, and it's like uh, it's boring to us, but it's necessary for us to be able to, especially now that we're with what we're involved with, which is uh, even more work. Uh, and so uh, I found something, Dave, that you're going to like, and I am so thrilled that you can get on Amazon to announce this. This is the first time. Okay. And hopefully, you know what? I want to get these people as sponsors. I just thought of that because they're called, uh, nature's guru. Okay. It's a company out West in California. Now uh, the little background here, do you know, Dave, you can really, um, uh, vouch for my chai. I make chai. The Indian best. Chai. The best. Okay. And I, it's something that I am proud of and I've worked on for many, many years. And uh, whenever I go out or go, you know, you go to Starbucks or whatever, any of these coffee shops, they all have chai now. And they have a chai mix uh, that they use, which is absolutely the most awful uh I can't even think of what awful word I can use. It's just this, this, it's, it has no body. It, it's just a bunch of weird ass spices that they put together in this, this antiseptic kind of uh, solution. It's, it's almost, I mean, it's just. I I think it more resembles hair conditioner than chai. Exactly. You know, I want to rub it on my hair. Yeah. Exactly. So, so Raghu's terrible, chai, which is not available, unfortunately. But I know he's leading to something here. Yes, so. I'm leading, and what I'm leading to is you even walk into other. So you can go to Whole Foods, and they'll have chai mixes by various other companies. I've tried them, masala chai mix. One is worse than the other. It's just oh God, we're awful. never going to get them as a sponsor. Uh, That's that. Okay, it's not Whole Foods. It's it's you know whatever. Uh, so masala. <laughs> you know, my wife beautiful wife, Saraswati Marcus, she brought me back something she thought that I would love, even though she hadn't tasted it. It's instant cardamom chai, unsweetened, okay? And it's in this package, and it's just black tea with some powdered milk and cardamom. And when you put that in with a regular tea bag to give it more of the body of, of tea because there's not quite enough uh, of black tea in, in this mix, and you put a little bit of uh, cream or half and half in it, you have something which approximate in an instant. It approximates a real Indian chai experience. Okay, My goodness. Go to Amazon. I'm excited about this. Yeah, no, wait till you get this. I didn't tell you about this. No, I'll be getting it now. In fact, I'm going on it, right Go on right now and get it, okay? <laughs> Nature's guru. Instant cardamom. C-A-R-D-A-M-O-M, chai, unsweetened. I mean, I got to tell you, I'm just thrilled about this. Okay, that's fantastic. I got something else for you, okay? Yes. Do you know a man named 
Greel Marcus. I do. I figured I, I must say, before you say anything else about it, that in the 60s and 70s, unparalleled, the best rock critic in the world, unparalleled. A great writer could be writing novels or incredible books. He wrote rock criticism, and he just always was right. And he was always so... It's hard to make music stand out when you don't actually have the music. He, I just love Grail Marcus, so there you go. Okay, do you know about his new book, The History of Rock and Roll in Ten Songs? No. Okay, I got I you again. Oh, Jeez. wow. Go to Amazon, everybody. Bookmark, you know, our mind-rolling uh, link to Amazon by going to mindpodnetwork.com slash mindrolling and uh, you'll see a big, big uh, banner, a bunch of banners with all of our episodes, etc., etc., blogs, and so on. And please bookmark it and go and get uh, The History of Rock and Roll in 10 Songs, Greel Marcus. Same name as me, except he uses a C. And those people oh, does, yeah. are way different than the ones that use a K. Okay, so there you go. There's my two recommendations. Uh, do you have any? Yeah, I sir? do. They're a bit... Um, I mean, in other words, what I think we're going to talk about today, they sort of relate to that a little bit. At least some of them do. Um, We're going to be talking about Alan Watts and and his, you know, fantastic, uh, very early um, philosophy, if you like. I hate that word. Um, Thoughts and feelings about life. And there's a book called The Wisdom of Insecurity, which amazingly he wrote in 1951. Uh, And it's, it's... we're going to be talking about that book a little bit today, but we're not actually talking about the book. We're talking about an article about the book. But the book itself, The Wisdom of Insecurity, is something we recommend. It's on Amazon. And um, this might sound cliched, but in concert with that, if you have not read it, uh, it relates very directly to um, Be Here Now by Ram Dass, um, who we mention all the time, and we will continue to do so because his wisdom and his his foresight and his, his... I mean, he just changed things for so many people. Anyway, Be Here Now is still available and, and in a good form. And um, Still, I, it sells tons every year. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. And uh, I'd like to recommend another um, Alan Watts book called Playing Hide and Seek, which is what he used the word hide and seek to represent the, the term Leela, uh, which he used also. But it's, it's, it's on Sounds True, who are our friends, and, but it's also on Amazon. You can get it there. And one other thing I'd like to recommend, which has nothing to do with anything, except it's kind of personal, is a, a, a CD called the Tibetan Tantric Choir uh, by the Gyoto Monks. Mm. And it was produced by my friend Mickey Hart, who some of you may know, who's a drummer of the Grateful Dead. Um, and Mickey produced this, and Mickey is a musicologist of the highest order. And he was the first Western, you know, master musician, if you like, who went and got these guys together and did a fantastic stereo recording. I have about, I don't know, you might think I'm crazy, but I have about 70 or 80 CDs of, of multitonal Tibetan music and <laughs> Sikkim music, all of that. I have a gigantic you know, collection. I love them all. How many? But I, I, I had, last count, it was, I think, 82 CDs. Jesus. Just that. Yeah, yeah, I'm crazy. So... Yeah. But what I'm going to say is that out of all of them, the very first one I got was was from Mickey, and it was an early copy of this Gyoto Monk's Tibetan Tantric Choir, and it is absolutely the most amazing one of them all. So I highly recommend that to mm. you. It is on Amazon. I checked. There are other uh, Gyoto Monk's records. They're all good. But this one, 
is fantastic. Those are my recommendations. Go to Amazon, please, and help us out and help yourself out. Yes, and, and you know, we know that there's, uh, we say this over and over, there are more than one podcast to uh, want to help with by buying stuff at Amazon. And now, of course, with MindPod, there's five podcasts. Uh, oh, and, and Roger, we should say that um, Rachel, our associate, is going to be adding these these very um, recommendations, plus others maybe, uh, to the podcast website. So you can, you know, you don't have to remember this. You can look at... Just uh, go there. Uh, just go to it, and, and I send yeah. them to her, or Raghu sends them to her, whatever, and she'll publish them. Yeah. And so it makes it sort of easier and makes us more useful, I hope. Yeah, very good. Now, I have one other thing. Uh, I actually found something that you cannot buy on Amazon. Can you believe that? Is that possible? I found Is it. Is that crystal meth? I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, it's, uh, it, you can only get this particular substance at a transplant bank uh, that's being launched in the U.S., okay? That may sound macabre, but... What? Is this an end-of-the-world thing? No, we no, this is, do... this is not end-of-the-world. This is actually beginning of the world. This is something that's going to really help us all, all right? Okay. As the sun set over Lake Eyasi in Tanzania, nearly 30 minutes had passed since I had inserted a turkey baster into my bum and injected the feces of a Hadza man, a member of one of the last remaining hunter-gatherer tribes in the world, into the nether region of my distal colon. Okay? Now they have... <laughs> what? <laughs> it's insane. What? And um, so basically they have found is what a normal or healthy microbe might have looked like before the niceties and medication of late whacked the crap out of our gut bugs in the so-called modern world. So they go to these people. They're contemporary people, by the way. They're not undiscovered Stone Age civilization, but they're excellent subjects for this research because they still live on plant and animal foods that humans have hunted and gathered for millennia. And their use of Western medication is extremely limited. The health impact of what lives or doesn't in our guts are getting increased in attention in Western dietary and medical circles. And eating foods containing probiotics just scratches the surface. Recent research suggests that use of antibiotics may be fundamentally altering our gut biomes for the worse, increasing rates of allergies, asthma, weight gain, and so on. In one lab study, introduction of genetically altered gut bacteria pre prevented mice from getting fat. In another, artificial sweeteners altered gut microbes and contributed to obesity and other metabolic disorders. So, as, as of now, fecal transplants, they're no longer career killers in polite medical conversation. Swapping poop from healthy to sick people is now an up-and-up treatment for curing chronic gastrointestinal disease. Before you go, I mean... I, I'm with you, but how do you take this stuff? I mean, I'm a little worried about what it forms. You insert a turkey baster into your bum and inject the feces of ancient man through a contemporary tribe that is still living on hunter-gatherer principles. Okay. So this is either true or it's the onion. 
No, I mean, no, no. This is I'm absolutely true. I'm not doing it. But you have to do it. You, you've been getting sick right, lately. Begin with. Uh, although you're not obese. But, um, you know, uh, and you can't get this on Amazon, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. So, uh, I, you know, this is... <laughs> This is something I thought would be. It's a sign of the future. It's it's a. Well, how do people get it? Well, you have to go to Lake Eyasi in Tanzania, where I've been nearby there myself. And if I had known, I would have done this. That was, of course, many years ago. Now, this didn't come from one of those emails that say you're getting five million dollars and you just have to help <laughs> Dr. Kowani with send him five grand. It's not one of those. Okay, so this guy really did it. Okay, his name's okay. Jeff Leach, and you know what the biggest result he's had? He and his girlfriend have noticed since the transplant. He did this. He's passing a lot less gas. Okay, so that's the moral of this story. All right. Well, yeah. I'm glad we've reached that high or low. Uh, plain? But no, no, it's very important. I understand this thing about probiotics and, the, and the, what we're taking in and, and the whole thing. Yeah, is... the whole thing around, you know, all the all the medication that we all take, you know. It's pretty, uh, It's I, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's the fountain of youth for the future is, uh, but we've, we won't go any further into that. Uh, let's move into something of more gravity uh, here. <laughs> Can uh, do you want to introduce Alan's uh, incredible uh, book? Oh yeah, uh, well the book we mentioned is uh, you know it, it's called the Wisdom of Insecurity, but I think what uh, we want to relate to is Rago found this terrific article, um, which is called an antidote to the age of anxiety, Alan Watts on happiness and how to live with presence, and it's by a woman called Maria Popova who has her own website, uh, which is very interesting, called Brain Pickings. Brain Pickings. That's all you have to know. If you put Brain Pickings in Google, you will go to Maria's terrific site, where she, she investigates all kinds of stuff and talks, and she's very interesting. And this particular article is about Alan's, uh, some stuff from that book, and she quotes him heavily and then makes very, very uh, mindful comments about them. Um, and... Um, you know, let's start off, uh, maybe I should, can I just read this part, or do you want to read it? Well, um, just succinctly, I think what this is about uh, is that Watt, Watts argues that the root of our human frustration and daily anxiety is our tendency to live for the future, which is an abstraction. And I think that's the core, um, you know, uh, talking about how to live with presence and uh, how to be happy. So, so uh, go on from there, Dave. I don't know where you wanted to read. Well, anywhere that does say it, but of course, um, you know what he says just after that. Um, what keeps us from happiness is our inability to fully inhabit the present. The primary consciousness, the primary consciousness, the basic mind which knows reality rather than ideas about it, does not know the future. This is why I love Watts. In that one sentence, you know, the primary consciousness, the basic mind, which knows reality rather than ideas about reality, does not know the future. It just knows now. Hmm. And, um, you know, Raghu and I have um, been talking about Ramdas and his own uh, brilliant, uh, you know, 
articulation of this over the years, right from the very start. And it's changed so many people, certainly changed me, because without getting into the mystic or, or anything like that, he simply was saying what Watts is saying here is that let's just stay here. Let's stay right where we are and see what that is and not to extrapolate constantly, which we do as modern humans, you know, about, okay, well, if I buy that IRA, will I have money when I'm 70? Or I shouldn't shop at the, where am I going to go tomorrow? And, and should I, the, the whole thing, you know what I'm talking about. Um, the lack of presentness, of presence, causes so much neurosis. And this is what, um, you know, he says at one point, which I love, he says, the future is still not here and cannot become a part of experienced reality until it is present. Since what we know of the future is made up of purely abstract and logical elements, inferences, guesses, deductions, it cannot be eaten, felt, smelled, seen, heard, or otherwise enjoyed. And then he says this, to pursue it, it is to pursue a constantly retreating phantom and the faster you chase it, the faster it runs ahead. Wow. Mm. Yeah. A phantom. That's great. Uh, he has such a way of, yeah. of putting this stuff. It's poetic. It really is. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's amazing. Um, do you want to, I don't know if this is the right time in the, in the middle of this, um, but since you mentioned Ramdas, I actually found something uh, from a talk that, uh, and, you know, again, everybody, uh, of course, uh, I think at this point you know that I am uh, deeply involved with uh, the foundation that uh, puts out all sorts of Ramdas's uh, works and media and day-to-day -day stuff, as well as other teachers, and the ones that uh, certainly are on the MindPod network, of course. And uh, so, uh, Dave, do you want me to play this one thing? It's not, it's not oh, yeah. very long. I think, yeah, yeah. At this point. Uh, so let me do it. It's just a few minutes. And this, uh, it's just the, the where Be Here Now came from in terms of Ram Dass's philosophy and how much he espoused this for many, many years. Here it is. Ramana Maharshi is a good example, wasn't he? Was he 17 years old? He hadn't read any of this stuff. He didn't go to Dharma talks. He didn't meditate. He didn't do anything. He just lay down in his uncle's study and got enlightened. <laughs> oh, he realized he was enlightened. That's a good model. It's a good reminder that, the, that there's no time involved in the process. So that each moment in a relationship is the moment for us to be just here together, dancing through the form. It's like the form of lecturer and listener. Can you hear without getting caught in listening? Can I speak without getting caught in speaking? Can you and I be together through this dance of talking and listening? Does this talking and listening separate me from you because you're them? Or am I in the world of us sharing this blah together? And is it bringing the us closer together? I really see, and I've, I've, I've seen, that as, as I'm resting in being more deeply, like I have all these little aids, mechanisms, 
things like these. Techniques to remind me, they're all traps. They're all traps, all methods of traps. I mean, meditation is a trap. You don't want to end up a meditator, you want to end up free. Judaism is a trap. This is a hard one for those that are Jews. You don't want to end up a Jew, you want to end up free. Boy, I was just in Israel and I, I tried saying things like that. Just, <laughs> sure, then you delight in all the forms. You delight in your sexual identity and your religious identity and your social and economic identities and your political identities and all of your family identities, but you're not trapped in them. But I work with this little five-line phrase. Prolong not the past. Invite not the future. Don't alter your innate wakefulness. Don't fear appearances. There's nothing more than that. I think that says it all right there. Prolong not the past, invite not the future, don't alter your innate wakefulness. There's nothing more than that. And that uh, is uh, probably the essence of be here now. Would you say? I mean, that's right where, and you know, this Alan Watts could have very easily uh, been the originator of that. He may have been, because he and Alan, you know, spent time together, and they were friends. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, sh I'm sure that had something to do with it, but there was also an expanding movement of consciousness uh, from the 50s to the 60s, which sort of suggested subliminally, in a way, from Kerouac and Ginsberg and Ferlinghetti and all those guys, that, you know, we were just living a dream, a, a bigger dream than it even is, by being so worried about our social life, about our political and economic life and this and that, and also things like, you know, when will I meet the right person and will I have children and all this nonsense, and, and, and even though it's sort of normal to have those emotions, it's when they get out of hand and it's all that governs your life, I guess, is what these great originators of, of, of presentness were, were implying. So I think it was part of a wave, you know. Mm. But Alan Watts, you're right, Raghu, has got a particular way of putting things um, that, I mean, Ramdas does too, it's different, but Ramdas is equally poetic and equally to the point. Uh, I, I wanted to quote something else from this from this article that Maria wrote, um, it, she says, the brain can only assume its proper behavior when consciousness is doing what it's designed to do, not writhing and whirling to get out of present experience. We all know this, this writhing and whirling, you know, that your mind just goes off. In the middle of a meditation, in the middle of yoga, in the middle of making love, in the middle of being on a train, what it doesn't matter. Um, it starts its little game. And... Um, you know, you could say, well, that's natural, it's the way it works. I think that modern life and the, the, the sort of um, nexus of neuroses and worries and anxieties, all the way from the dishwasher not working to ISIS coming in the front door, um, <laughs> has made us, you know, 
not aware of the wonder, and I don't want to sound like a, a fool here, but I'm learning this as we go along, you know, all my whole life. The wonder of the present. The wonder of the present. Now, you could say, okay, if I'm living in a ghetto in Liberia or Kingston, Jamaica, or St. Louis, for that matter, uh, the present doesn't look that great, so why should I be in the present? Well, uh, that's a good question, Dave, but uh, it works. It works. If you just trim it down to what is going on now and how am I, how am I in it, how am I being it, you know, um, it, 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 it works, the idea of being mindful of the present and in the present. I think that's what these guys are, are doing. It's not as easy as it sounds. It's not, okay, I'm going to be in the present. It's sometimes it's quite a struggle, isn't it? Well, it's, you know, you do all kinds of methods, and that's, that's what all of these teachers suggest. And you do, you do these methods in order to uh, curtail being taken over by your mind, which constantly is referring to the past or the future. I mean, it's just simple uh, arithmetic. You, there is no way that you can um, effectively take to heart these admonitions to be in the present without using methods. And uh, in this talk, of course, we just heard Ramdas saying you cannot, um, you, the method is a trap. And uh, so you have to, you know, you have to treat it. You do not want to get trapped in in methods. At the same time, so that's a, there, there's a certain attitude that you have to take into this where you know that this will all be left behind. But in terms of most of us that are working our way through getting, as we call it, balanced day to day, we need to take on whatever method uh, works for us to be able just to, just the beginnings of stopping the monkey mind, which is, is past and future, future uh, reference. Uh, you know, another thing I love here, uh, and by the way, we should, uh, you know, there, as David said, uh, this Brain Pickings is a great little site, and uh, Maria really does a great job. Uh, you, you certainly can go over there and check out her site, and uh, she, you know, you can give her a little donation as well. Yes. Um, you know, she deserves support. Uh, she talks about how Watts um, um, really predicted, or not predicted so much as talked about uh, in terms of how you get really caught up in this seething cauldron of thoughts, predictions, anxieties, judgments, incessant meta-experiences about experience itself. And that writing more than half a century before our age of computers, digital touch, screen, touch screens, and, and so, far, so on and so forth, that he was talking about this stuff back then. The, he says, the brainy modern loves not matter, but measures, no scolds, no solids rather, sorry, but surfaces. The working inhabitants of a modern city are people who live inside a machine to be batted around by its wheels. They spend their days in activities which largely boil down to counting and measuring, living in a world of rationalized abstraction, which has little relation to or harmony with the great biological rhythms and processes. As a matter of fact, mental activities of this kind can now be done far more efficiently 
by machines than by men, so much so that in a not-too-distant future the human brain may be an obsolete mechanism for logical calculation. Already the human computer is widely displaced by mechanical and electrical computers. Of, how was he talking about this back then? Of far yep. greater speed and efficiency. If then man's principal asset and value is his brain and his ability, ability to calculate, he will become an unsaleable commodity in an era when the mechanical operation of reasoning can be done more effectively by machines. How about that? I mean, <clears throat> to me, yeah. that's staggering. How well put it is where we are right now. And how important this is, you know, that living in a world of rationalized abstraction, you know, we, we have no relation to or harmony with the rhythms of, of life. And, and process of life. And I think that that is, uh, it's a critical indictment of, uh, uh, you know, Dave and I have talked about this uh, in the past in podcasts about the value of this technology versus the detriment of it. And, um, you know, here is, uh, you know, something that's uh, we can really uh, relate with and how Alan put, Watts puts this so specifically uh, about if we fall over completely into the uh, ease of which this technology uh, creates our uh, ability to relate with each other at distance, our ability to find stuff in an instant, our ability to uh, research information and so on, which is all the positive. But then once we tune out uh, the ability to relate and be in harmony with biological rhythms, then we're in trouble. And I think, uh, you know, that's the dual nature of this. Huh? Yeah, it's a challenge, but I mean, all vehicles in the history of time, really, and not meaning cars, but vehicles for change and progress have that dual thing, you know, I mean, it's wonderful to, uh, you know, to get on a plane and, and fly to London or to Delhi or to anywhere quickly and get there. Uh, but does it reduce our ability to know, you know, sort of what that means, what those 3,000 miles mean? These are, these are old topics. Also, I could say, you know, planes are great, but planes bomb people too. So, you know, here we go. It's the human dilemma all the time. Do we go to the dark side or do we try and use these things somehow to help people? And both things are happening. I mean, even though the world seems crazy right now, um, there are such great things happening, and, and we know that because we see it and hear it all the time. So it's a choice, it's free will, isn't it? I mean, we, we either use it properly or not, but I mean, I think what you were just saying to get to the more deeper, the deeper part of this, which is those, those rhythms, those biorhythms, and those you know, natural joy coming from simple immersion in the present. Um, you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, I'm I'm in the supermarket or the drugstore or something, and I I see people buying several copies of these um, hideous uh, celebrity uh, rags. Uh, you know, with lies. I mean, just lies on them about celebrities. But I mean, I see them reading them and everything, and I I think to myself, why why are you interested really in Jennifer Aniston? I mean, you can be interested as an actress or whatever, 
Uh, but th this new thing, which is that their lives are important to us, and the baby bump and all that crap <laughs> is just, it, it annoys me. I, I don't want to get too much of a curmudgeon about it, but I can honestly say that I've never bought one of those, never will, and that it's sort of like as if people don't want to live their own lives. And that gets back to the present. You know, they would rather kind of live you know, uh, Ben Affleck's life or, 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 you know, Johnny Depp's life or something. It wasn't like that until very recently. Even in the 19th century, you know, great actresses, musicians, whatever, they, nobody knew anything about them. They were lucky they ever got to see anything by them. You know, originally music was just for the court. So Beethoven or Mozart, Mozart and those people, just a few people knew about their music. Now we all know about the music. We also know whether Beethoven had a wart on his lip. And it's it's vicarious and it's dangerous, in my opinion, because it starts to remove people. I mean, I, it's getting into proselytizing here, but I, I just I think that what Watts is talking about, what Ramdas is talking about, what Eckhart Tolle is talking about, what all of the mindfulness people are talking about is a lot of our unhappiness is based on distraction. And the place that we can go to that is at first quite scary is ourselves uh, for this happiness which we're all after um yeah pursuit of happiness is in the you know is sort of this american phrase and the pursuit sometimes is is seems to me to take over the actual state because we're constantly pursuing you know how to make enough money to live better later well what about today and what about this second uh that's all i mean that's in a nutshell what 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 Watts is talking about, and I hate to put it like that because he's got a million things more to say that are helpful. You and know? and I think we have to talk about happiness. Um, I think that there is multi levels of when we talk about happiness. There's happiness of stuffing our faces with uh, delightful food. Uh, there's happiness in thinking you're going to get what you want um, from people or things. And then, you know, that would be relative happiness that does not last very long. And then there's ultimate happiness, which is uh, becoming free, free of attachments, free of compulsions, free of anger, that kind of happiness uh, is is a, it's a completely other level, and uh, and that uh, segues me and Dave to because yeah. uh, you uh, is to uh, Sh uh, Sharon Salzberg and her book uh, Real Happiness, and uh, where she really not only does she give um, a real clue as to what hap real happiness is. She gives a lot of methodology about how to get there. So that's a highly recommend. Did we recommend that book at the beginning? I don't think we did. No, I don't think we did. Real Happiness, Sharon Salzberg. Get it off of our Amazon link. Uh, we beseech you because this is something um, that is so utterly uh, practical. She gives so much practical information here and methodology. And uh, can I just, uh, there's a little thing that she wrote in the book that I'd like to quote. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that, uh, it's a little different, actually, in terms of something that you might not think of. Um, and in its ways, uh, she talks about spotting 
or noticing the unexamined assumptions that get in the way of happiness. Unexamined assumptions. This is interesting. These assumptions we make about who we are and the way the world works, that what we deserve, how much we can handle, where happiness is to be found, whether or not positive change is possible, all greatly influence how and to what we pay attention. She tells this little story, which I'll read. I was reminded of how assumptions can get our way, get in our way when I visited the National Portrait Gallery in Washington to view a, a work of art by a sculptor friend. Eagerly, I checked every room, peered at every display case and pedestal. No sculpture. Finally, I gave up. As I headed for the exit, I glanced up, and there was her beautiful piece. It was a bas-relief hanging on the wall, not the freestanding statue I'd expected. My assumptions had put blinders on me and almost robbed me of the experience of seeing what was really there, her amazing work. In the same way, our assumptions keep us from appreciating what's right in front of us, a stranger who's a potential friend a perceived adversary who might actually be a source of help. Assumptions block direct experience and prevent us from gathering information that could bring us comfort and relief or information that, though saddening and painful, will allow us to make better decisions. Hey, have you thought of... I have never thought of that in quite that way. And I really appreciated this that I, you know, that I had found in this book, uh, because boy, do we do that's like judgments all day long. Assumptions. I think that's another byword for us: assumptions and judgments, right? That prevent us from being in the present moment. So uh, again, uh, a wonderful uh, book, uh, "Real Happiness," Sharon Salzberg. Um, Dave. Yeah. Can I agree with you? By the way, that I think that is a, a, a very novel way. Of, of saying why we are sometimes dist- you know distracted unhappy and and kind of down is because we you know we've all met angry people who are angry about everything you know complain about everything or just always complain and we all do it a little bit but I guess you sometimes you have to be critical I mean there's no question about that but it, it is true that these assumptions it's it's not just you know what we normally think of as being you know a blockage to happiness it's the assumptions we make about life itself and how we cut ourselves off from some potential uh, joy, you know. Uh, life can't all be joy all the time, but unless you're, you know, not in time and space, I guess. But as we live in this world, we notice things that are going on. Some, some make us unhappy and we, we have to work on that. But um, all of these great minds are, are talking about mindfulness in a way, uh, which is to not, you know, sort of throw aside the moment in, in, in servitude to another moment three days ahead or three years ahead. Mm. Uh, and, and I think we should teach this to children so mm. they don't get locked up in the ads on television for everything in the world that they should be wanting sometime in the future, that they can look at it and there's a little bit of a sensor inside their head already because we taught them this. Well, I don't know whether I really need that. Do I really need that kind of insurance that everybody's telling me I must have? And do I really need the iPod 12, the iPhone 12, which will come in three years, or the, or the, you know, the, the all of these incredible things that we 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 were addicted to? It's fun, but it, it's not important, is it? 
I mean, I have an iPhone 5S right now, and I'm already thinking, got to get that 6 Plus. It's crazy. You and me iPhone both. iPhone 5S is great. Yeah, I know. I want the 6. Come on, Dave. Can you give me a little leeway here? No, I'm going to get it. That's, oh, how, yeah. that's how crooked I am about this podcast. I, I'm not, I, you, <laughs> you've drawn it out of me. I, I will get it. No, somehow. I, yeah, but, you know what? Uh, it's uh, We are all very sucked into all of this stuff, and it's very are. difficult. Very difficult. Oh, it's time However, for... on, on our iPhones, it is nice to get a, a, a text, as I did on Saturday night, uh, from my friend Rada, the wonderful Rada. Um, and it was just a little text, and it just made my night. And um, so, you know, we don't want to be Luddites, I guess. Is the yeah, word. and I found the, the poop transplant thing on Facebook, okay? I would yeah, never I, have known about that. <laughs> <laughs> we can hey. always rely upon Mr. Marcus. <laughs> Find the arcane. Something, something bizarre on this, on this podcast, which makes it good. I think. Oh, yeah. All right, I want to play a song now. Yeah, okay. right. I want to play a song from... Um, He's actually, okay, please be quiet. <laughs> Sorry. Rob is talking to a dog right yeah, now. My dog's yep. starting to talk to me. She's bored of this at this point. Um, so what I, uh, Jesse Winchester is a, uh, a, a long, long time friend who actually passed uh, earlier this year. And uh, uh, Jesse, before he did, spent a lot of time, uh, he had another album in, in him. And uh, he recorded it, and and he knew that he was uh, quite sick, and but I he still had enough energy, and he managed to do this. And there are many songs here. That, I mean, there's a lot of pathos here. Of course, if you know the story, and he's somebody just briefly that uh, uh, during the Vietnam War, of course, uh, I lived in Montreal, where I'm from, and we were helping uh, draft. Uh, resistors uh, get over the border and, and get out of the clutches of the uh, military. And Jesse was one of those people and lived with us. Uh, uh, we had a little bit of a, you know, the old days, a little communal thing going on. And Jesse uh, then started writing. I mean, he was a musician then, a singer-songwriter, and he started writing. And I mean, it was very difficult for him in those early days in Quebec. I mean, he used to, to make a living, he'd have to go play in these crazy clubs where they'd make him dress up in all sorts of space suits and, and play weird music. And, uh, you know, and he was the most uh, loving, sweet, uh, southern gentleman. He, you know, he came from Memphis. And, uh, and that first record of his, and he had a lot of help from... Uh, 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 or the first record Robbie Robertson produced. So, uh, a wonderful, wonderful man, and uh, uh, I'm still a little sad from his passing. And this record just came out. So again, it's called "All That We Have." I'm sorry, that's the name of the song. Um, it, it's it's uh, uh, this particular song is called "All That We Have Is Now," which is, uh, and the record I think is a reasonable amount of of trouble. Uh, a Reasonable Amount of Trouble is the title of the album by Jesse Winchester. Again, you can get that also on Amazon. Uh, Dave, let me play this. Yeah. Uh, this uh, It's a beautiful little piece. When it was springtime when we married, here comes January. Bring on the ice and storm, cause we got love to keep us warm, but don't. 
Jesse Winchester, All We Have Is Now, from his new album, A Reasonable Amount of Trouble. And uh, it's uh, his last album, as I mentioned. He passed this year. And uh, someone dear to me, and uh, I haven't actually, I just got the album, and that was the first song that I listened to, and I thought it was really appropriate for our podcast today about uh, happiness and being in the presence of now. And uh, it truly is. And uh, makes me um, just briefly think of something. Mm. Jesse Winchester, as you say, was a draft resistor along with hundreds of thousands of others. And uh, you never know where the altruism is coming from. <clears throat> you never know where the good deed is coming from. And uh, it's interesting to note that all of those draft resistors were subject to an amnesty in, I believe, 1974. Uh, which is marvelous, because everybody's worried that they're all going to get prosecuted. They can never come back no, to the States. No, way later, Dave, way later. Uh, I remember no. he could not go to the States, Jesse. Well, that's, he was, couldn't go to the States, but the people who were runaways, and the, I know this because I, I had a, friend, a dear friend who went to Minneapolis and, and got the amnesty. I, I think it was 74, Raga. I really do. Because right, we'll, we'll we'll I'd been married a couple of years. I remember he was staying with us. Anyway, this uh, act of, of, of kindness was initiated by Gerald Ford, the president, after Nixon. Some people say it was so that he could pardon Nixon. I think that's nonsense. I think he pardoned it out of pure kindness. And it was initiated by a marvelous man called Charles Goodell, who was a Republican senator from New York State. And this is when Republicans could be just as great as anybody else. I don't know what happened. But he was fabulous. And he not only marched against the war in Vietnam with Coretta King and others uh, Mm -hmm. as a Republican, but also influenced... 
uh, everyone about this war against the wishes of his president and the leaders of his party. Now, Charles Goodell did this out of kindness. Charles Goodell is the father of Roger Goodell, who's the head of the NFL. And my hope is that Roger will have inherited DNA-wise some of his father's kindness to, uh, to try and stop this nonsense that's going on, uh, or this, this unmonitored thing that's gone on with athletes and others. Uh, At 45 million a year? I yeah. doubt it, Dave. Yeah, I doubt it too. But the fact is he comes from great stock. But I really wanted to bring up Charles Goodell and Gerald Ford because you can never... Judgment is a terrible thing. It's like what Sharon's thing about assumptions. One immediately assumes that the people you politically agree with are, are good and the ones you don't agree with are dark and evil. Not mm -hmm. always true. And in this case, two Republicans showed enormous courage and, um, and allowed hundreds of thousands of, of young men... Uh, to come back to America and be guilt-free and not to go to jail for their principles. Right. So just wanted to mention that. Thank you. You are right. Uh, and, I, of course, I just saw something from Robert Reich in my email today. Uh, Robert Reich? Reich? Uh, yeah, he, Reich, Reich, I think. He, yeah. He was a treasury guy with yeah. Clinton. Yeah, huh? and he's, you know, really been beseeching people to support the Democratic Party and because you just mentioned something that made me think of it, which was, he says, this is not the Democratic, uh, I'm sorry, this is what you're fighting against here, or supporting the Democrats against with the Republican Party, which is not the Republican Party of your father, your, your, uh, of the, uh, you know, older generation, uh, like Reagan, even, you know, he pointed out Reagan. Uh, would be considered um, a Democrat at this point because these people That's are so far right. Anyhow, uh, we're at the end of our um, oh, program sad. today, Mr. Silver. Yeah. And um, again, uh, thanks everybody for listening, for supporting. We need your continued support as we keep harping here. Uh, and, uh, you know, we want to... Uh, have you share all of the uh, goodies, the potpourri, which is MindPod Network. Go to mindpodnetwork.com. And uh, there's some terrific... There's a podcast. Have you heard this one, David? A podcast with uh, Duncan Trussell. It's, it's on Jack Cornfield's uh, podcast, yeah. Heart Wisdom. And it's Duncan Trussell and... Uh, and Jack and one of Duncan's comedian friends, whose name escapes me in the moment. Uh, it's, have you heard it? Yes. He's uh, called Pete. Oh, Pete Holmes. Pete, Pete Holmes. Holmes. Yeah. It's fantastic. I yeah. mean, uh, yeah. the way, I mean, these guys, you know, they're funny and they're depre deprecating self and otherwise. Um, and Jack just hangs right in there. I mean, with them. And it's like uh, he can field it all. It's really great. So check it out. And we are going to see you next week. Great to hang with you, uh, even though it's early this morning. Dave. Yeah, you too, Roger. Good. Great. Talk to you later.